Hi everyone, welcome to the KidCast. This episode is a little bit different. So this is with the wonderful Tori, who along with her wife Kirsty, adopted two children. So in this episode we explore everything you can think of around the topic of adoption. Enjoy! decision to adopt how did that come about so separately me and Casey were very much like we wanted to adopt from an early age Mm -hmm. when we first got together even before we were like actually together Mm -hmm. we'd already talked about it as friends like talked about like future plans and what you wanted to do so then when we got together and like the relationship got far enough in that we started talking about it we were both like we're adopting like point blank we're adopting mm-hmm. i did i did and still do to an extent would love to like have the experience of pregnancy mm-hmm. but there is nothing that would like tip yeah. one over the other if yeah. that makes sense um so we we basically just we talked about it for like three weeks mm-hmm. honestly that that's all it was it was just like this is what we're doing isn't it yeah, and, yeah. and uh put in our, our forms and, and that was that was as easy as the, the conversation was it wasn't even a full conversation it was just like we're doing this yeah we're doing this okay cool well that makes things a lot easier it was it? so easy because we'd been friends before we'd already we already knew yeah like that kind of that that's where we were gonna go yeah because it already months. happened so it wasn't like a sit down hey i want to do this how do you feel yeah it was just a we know this is gonna happen is this the time yeah, it is the time call. That's a point. How long had you been together before? So we got together um, February 8th, 2018. And we put the papers in in the November 2019. Okay. So a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, we did delay quite a bit though because we put our first papers in in the November 19. And then we... we had a little bit of time before we like actually started yeah. so it wasn't until like the march or april in the the next year yeah. so we've been together like the two four years yeah. by the time things things actually got moving yeah so i know we've just talked about this off camera but right. say for example i go okay i want to adopt what the hell is step one where'd <laughs> you go who'd you talk to what do you do okay so first step figure out where you want to go we went to well we'd spoken to adoption agencies Mm. in terms of like we've gone on the internet and found a few yeah we spoke to one who said quite literally you're too young what you think you're doing you haven't been together long enough get lost oh wow basically that was the conversation and it was heartbreaking Mm. but we were like no that's just one person's opinion and we took two weeks to ourselves and then spoke to to another um, agency who is the one we're actually with and we put up a a first initial like Mm. it's called a general inquiry form it's just your details basically Mm. and then the the assistant manager came out and sat down spoke to us asked us about our reasoning Mm -hmm. why we wanted to what was our relationship like um 
watch your out like you're in and out of circles like mm-hmm. and it's just a conversation super chilled in your house conversation and then they go away mm-hmm. like she went away and spoke to someone else and then you get an email we got an email like the next day mm-hmm. and said yeah we understand you're young but you've got so much life experience mm-hmm. that we think this is a good idea like let's go just Basically, to interrupt you here as well go for it so you would be what 28 27 28 something like that that's not that young i wouldn't say but uh, when we got together Casey was 21 and you've got, legally got to be 21 so she was okay. like quite she was just on barrier yeah um but you know you know when you know yeah people have kids literally so much younger so, you're far younger than far that far younger than that so i feel that's a little bit unfair i think it's unfair pass that comment because part of it's like at the end of the day especially through adoption and please don't take this as anything other mm-hmm. than just information but especially when you go through adoption you have to go through so many background checks so much training you have to bring up your entire life story you have to do a chronology from everything that happened from birth until now and explain how that affected you even to the point of i went to school mm-hmm. how did it affect you who was in your life then like it's unreal the amount that you have to go through so i feel like to go through adoption you have to be mentally able to manage that and stable to manage that yeah so that's a big i think it is a big ask so i think age shouldn't really i mean obviously be a legal adult but i don't think age in itself should be the component like it shouldn't be the deciding factor it should be whether or not you can manage the process But yeah, in terms of finding that first step, it, it is just look around and f- you have a, you will get a feeling. So if yeah. you wanted to adopt, I'd say have a look. I mean, obviously, honestly, I'd probably say just ask me mm-hmm. and I'll help. But if you do, don't have anyone mm-hmm. that you know, go on the internet, find at least four or five different agencies, mm-hmm. local authority as well. Like it's whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. We did go with a private agency. Mm-hmm. It just worked for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had a few friends that have gone through all the different channels. Yeah. And um, it is it is purely what works for you. So find find the information about it. Read it. Read it all. Anything you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. Because the more information you've got in that first step, mm-hmm. the better off you'll be in terms of you won't need to ask as many questions later. Mm-hmm. Or you can ask the correct questions. Yeah. So my naivety of adoption, the only thing I know about the process, let's go back to pop culture, is friends. So Monica and Chandler. Yeah. So um, here, as far as I'm aware, here they don't do that. Okay. So it's it's a very... I mean, that was in the, what, 90s anyway. So it's, you know, it's it's 30 years ago. But... Here, we don't tend to do mm. open adoption, so you don't actually know who the you, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, this is just from my experience. So as far as I'm aware, we, there's only closed adoptions now. Um, the children are provided with all of the information about mm-hmm. their fam- like birth family, but we don't have access 
You would never, them. you would never meet birth mum or no. birth dad, no. unless there is something written into like a court document to say that there is a visitation into. But it would literally be just like contact. Yeah. So you could have direct contact where once every three months or something, whatever it's written in, you could meet them at um, some some sort of contact center. They'd have an hour or two hours, and that'd be it. But it's not very no. often. I don't know anybody at all in the in our kind of adoption vicinity yeah. that has anything like that. Yeah. Um every single person that I know who has adopted or is in the system, mm-hmm. um it's closed. It's closed adoption. Yeah. So how how does it work from the moment that you've the agency have said, yes, we love you both. Okay. We want you to <laughs> to kind of come on board with us. What what happens then? So once they've um, come out and spoke to you, mm-hmm. they then send you what's called a registration of interest form. It's like a, I don't know, like 19 pages long mm-hmm. or something. Um, and it's basically you do your, your name, your interests, your occupation, all your contact details, previous addresses for f- seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, employment for the past five I think and then it asks you a bunch of questions about like who why what where you know yeah. all about the adoption yeah. process then that gets sent back to the agency they read it all through and then they try and match you with the correct social worker for you okay um pardon me for the correct social worker for you and from there that social worker will contact you. Now that can take that can take like a couple of months. Yeah. Um for us we were really lucky everything happened like really neat, really tidy. It was all this is your social worker who by the way was a dream to work with. And she came out to the house, spoke to us and it felt like we'd been friends for years yeah. the first time we spoke to her. And that's when it gets hard though. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to just kind of yeah 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 okay so let's go step by step that's fine yeah so once they once your social worker comes out you then go through your life so yeah (laughs) so you do there's worksheets to do basically it's like homework (laughs) and you can either go through them with the social worker and fill them out yeah or you can fill them out at home and then run through them yeah and send them over I think as far as I'm aware there's 12 okay and some of them are like seven pages long. Wow. It's a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of them because there's like, there's more as you get later. So it goes through. I mean, I have them on my phone. I could, I could mm-hmm. read out which, um, what the paperwork is called, but it, it does go through your family history and your eco map, mm-hmm. which is you put you in the middle and then create like a bubble mind map of your family, who's in that, whereabouts they live, how long does it get you, it take you to get there in a car, what kind of support do they give you, emotional, physical, social, mm-hmm. if they've got other kids, how much time do they, would they spend with your oh family for each person that you have yeah. in your inner circle. Yeah. Um, it also then asks, well, who do you think would be able to guide your children? So... In essence, it's it's talking about like would you go like godparent kind of route? Yeah. Um, 
It's also a little bit like, because um, I know when I had Bella, sorry to interrupt you. No, go for it. I did a will. So yeah. it's like who, if I was, if Steve and I were to pass away, who would you go to? Who would Bella? Yeah, so be that's called testamentary guardian. Yeah. In like, just on the paper, it is called testamentary guardian. You yeah. have to decide and give your reasons why. Yeah. Um, and then they contact that person. Yeah. And just yeah. make sure they're happy with exactly. that responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they go through the like the eco map. You have to give them your family tree history as well. So I had to go on my heritage shop. I'm like, I had no clue. I thought beyond that, do that swap thing. <laughs> She's like, right yeah, that, that's yeah. easier. Yeah, but yeah, I am. Um, luckily, our families are both already looked into that, so I could just like join up trees. Handy. That was so easy. Um, and then it started a new hobby because I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So. Once we've done that little bit, it moves on to health and occupations and education. And then it's, well, what what were the most significant things in your life? Mm. And then it, like, it runs all the way down, like, to the point where, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so please cut it if I can't. Yeah, yeah, okay. But to the point where one of the questions is, please tell us about your sex life. Oh, well, you can talk about anything. And it's yeah. like, why? Yeah. So we did ask our social worker. What did she say? What was she, she basically said it's just to make sure that because some of the children who have been through the system yeah. will have been in situations where they've seen inappropriate things. They okay. kind of want to make sure no one's like just bringing random people in all the time. It makes sense. It makes sense. 100%. But it could have been worded better. It can be worded better. <laughs> and it could, there could be a little bit of contextualisation yeah, around the question. Yeah, it could have been like, hey, this is the situation. Can you answer just, just for our information? Yeah. But no, it I think the question was literally like, just how is your sex life? That was just the question. And I just put private. <laughs> I, I said to Katie, I was like, what do I put in? She went, healthy but private i don't know <laughs> and i was like yeah that, that'll do that's a strange question that's, isn't it yeah so yeah the questions really get into it and then it goes into your mental health and background mm. goes into um well who who were you in a previous like era of your life how has that it's changed quite therapeutic, actually. it is it's kind of like doing shadow work honestly it's kind of like doing yeah. like therapy in terms of like your be your background yes i feel like all people who are on the journey to become a parent whatever path they that is should for them it. should do it because i i oh honestly i've said this so many times yeah. i've said this type of therapy like healing yeah but it's training as well because you get so much yeah. training alongside all of this is just the paperwork yeah but everyone who's been a parent should have yeah. access to this yeah which is honestly what I wish I could do is yeah. like be that person to provide the access. Yeah, well, you um, can. I mean, yeah, then, yeah, you can. That might be it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so you do all of the all of that paperwork, and it does, and it keeps yeah. going on and on and on, and it's like it digs really deep. Once you've done that side of the paperwork, they go away and they write what's called a par, mm-hmm. um, which is the report about you, basically. So. In all of this, mm. you've got stage one and stage two. So stage one is they do your DBS, your checks. You have to do references, mm-hmm. which is one family member from each side yeah. and one friend from each side yeah. that knows you as a couple or as, like, would see you as a family unit. Yeah. And they have to be references and they answer a bunch of questions too. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a family journey. Yeah. It really is. And then... 
so that's all stage one. Mm -hmm. Stage two is when you do all of this big, heavy paperwork. Alongside that, you go to training sessions. So we did ours in COVID times. So our training sessions were a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like two hours over eight weeks or so. We did ours in two full days because it was just easier. Um, So the training itself, it talks about... um, it, it goes around about abuse and neglect and how can you know the difference? Mm-hmm. What does a child need in terms of, like, hierarchy mm-hmm. and not even just nutrition, but, like, in terms of their emotional sustainability? Yeah. Um, And then off the back of it, actually, I took something that I then went and, and kind of carried mm-hmm. on with, which is it's building blocks of life. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine you're building a wall and you fill all those those little blocks at the bottom with what you give your child Mm -hmm. so you can imagine it with Bella now Mm -hmm. you give her everything that she needs at the bottom Mm -hmm. now could you imagine so at the time our oldest was four and a half when she came home so could you imagine at four and a half she's missing three blocks from the seven at the bottom Mm -hmm. she's missing two from the next one the next one is just not there so that top layer's got nothing to support Mm it it's like when you get to the very end of a Jenga game and it's just about to topple over. Yeah. So you, as the adoptive parent, you have to go back through and fill in the gaps where you can with stronger bricks or re- mm-hmm. like full, fully remove the, the entire wall yeah. and rebuild from the beginning. So if, for example, if a child did not have the input from a parental figure at the very beginning of the life, So they were never talked to, taken out of a rocker. They were just kind of there. That child, even at seven, eight, nine, Mm. they would still have the the emotional neglect from that situation that you would have to infill. So it's it's having that training. And like you said, having it going through parenthood, knowing that those things matter that much, Mm -hmm. honestly, it would help everyone. I just feel like it... It would also help people who sadly get into a position where their children have to be fostered or yeah, have to it be would. adopted. It would really, really yeah. help. And literally listening to you thinking, this is something that I should be. Like when I when you go and get your bump measured when you're pregnant, mm. yes, it's important, but talking about your building blocks is far more important. Yeah. What, what more do you important. actually need to provide your child yeah. with? How can you yeah. do that in a in a healthy, respectful way? Yeah. How can you provide your child options and availability to make their own decisions as a toddler? Yeah. How can you give them tasks around the house to help with their dexterity and help with their yeah. mind control? And yeah. It's just about letting yeah. them do... So, for example, like, you've got a dog. Yeah. You could potentially have Bella's job in the morning. And and this is what we yeah. did with... with um Seema, we we got her to do this every morning yeah. and it's now her job so you get like their their bowl the child gets to feed them that's their thing yeah. for the day yeah just a little tub and a scoop they know how much to put in yeah and honestly the because of having that be their responsibility yeah. the reward that they and the satisfaction they get just yeah. from doing that it's mm-hmm. massive i think i there's a a psychiatrist that you'd love to listen to. I don't know if you've come across him before. It's called Gabor Matei. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So he's a childhood psychologist. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely fascinating. 
brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah moment. and I listened to him quite a lot from the point of view where we talked about those first sort of eight to ten years of development and how they do shape did you everything you experience react to go through as an adult they really do it's really beneficial for me it does because it adult. makes you think back oh my to God, yeah. did I have that did I do that no okay yeah. I'll infill that for myself yeah. and I also think as well when you look at things this is this is not a a like a stab at my parents, but nobody is born a parent. No. So when you've been through things as a child, whether you should or shouldn't have been exposed to it, nine times out of ten, it will have an impact on you and it has an impact on how you adult, let alone parent. Yeah. So his research and what he publishes has been so beneficial for me as Amber and for me as mum. Yeah. And hopefully for Bella as Bella growing up. Yeah. But everything you say there, yeah. I feel like sometimes it's it's easy, easier, and, and definitely in quotation, but it's easier for people who have the ability to step out of their family life mm-hmm. as the individual, not as the parent. Step out of your family life from your past mm-hmm. to kind of analyse it. Yeah. Because it's you've got, it's, it? you, you do, you have yeah. the awareness then to be like, okay, well, what, what should I question? What do I want to question? Yeah. What would I like to follow? What would I like to change? Mm. And it's, it's understanding that you have the ability to do those things. Mm. You don't have to follow just because, mm-hmm. well, that's what they did. Yeah. And it, it, having that awareness is, is massive. massive. And I think if you can teach your children to have that awareness, or allow them to explore enough to develop it at such a young age. That's massive. But when you think about children who have been in the system at any age, even from, so like, our youngest was two and a half. She at two and a half would get herself dressed, get her, get herself fed. Like she was, she was self-care skills. Like, she's like Matilda, <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> and I said this to her the other day. I was just like, you are you are Matilda. Mm. She called him, She calls her Miss Tilda. <laughs> um, but she is because she's so aware. And I think that's in part because she's been through other things. She's had no choice but to yeah. develop those skills. Um, and, and understanding that those children who have been through it, no matter what age, whether, you know, all the way up to 16... Mm. If they don't have the awareness or have been allowed to explore themselves in that way, they're going to then go out into the world with not as much support as they need at all. Yeah. And not understanding that they have every right to own who they are. Mm. No one else has that right. We can guide children, but they have every right to themselves. Yes. I think that's probably a big mistake that parents make as mm. well. They try to produce like, like a mini-me. Mm-hmm. When they're not, they're their own, they are their yeah. own person. It's nice to see, like, similarities between you and your kids. And it really is, because, like, you'll you'll see, like, oh, that's so funny because, like, you've picked up that trait. Mm. But it's just, a, it's just a trait. Yeah. And it's just because you're, like, that's cute. Like, I did that, you've done yeah. that as well. Yeah. But other than that, they're, they're their own people. Yeah. And they should be, so they should be. It's valued them as Rightly people. so. Yeah. 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 Like, our children, my girls are so, so different. Yeah. And with that, we have to parent them differently. Yeah. Like, if we tried to parent them the same, oh, oh the world would break down. Yeah. I swear to God. <laughs> it just would not go well. 
we have to parent them so differently and even to the point where when you talk to them you have to explain things in a yeah, different yeah. manner and yeah it's it's i i love that even at a young age they are so much themselves yeah. and i love that we provide them that platform to be themselves i just wish they didn't have to get there in at such manner. a young age yeah. in that manner but it is a testament to you and kirsty that they are we said this before i said this before to you thank you that they feel comfortable enough to bring things up yeah with you both to address things to talk about things and that you are both so aware in yourselves to allow that opportunity for your children because that's not always the case i appreciate that thank you you're very welcome um so from sort of your pa going through yeah to the girls coming home how long did that take um so you go to your par gets written Mm. and during the the very end of the par so you get your your parts are getting written you get to read through and like say yeah that's correct you quoted me right on that exercise ad um you then get a date called and it's your panel date where that sounds frightening it it, it is yeah it's it's terrifying until you go in and then it's like oh this is cool yeah so you your part gets written, signed off by your social worker, yeah. signed off by her manager. Mm-hmm. Then it gets sent to like other people mm-hmm. to value, yeah. etc. So then you go to your parts, uh, your sorry panel. Our panel was November tenth. You go in and your social worker speaks to the people first. Now I think on our panel there was seven people, mm-hmm. and we did do this over Zoom. Um, you know, it as and when we, we might do it again in the future, it's probably going to be in person. Yes. Um, but you go in, your social worker speaks to them first, then comes and gets you. You walk into the room and sit down. They ask you three questions. Mm-hmm. And our questions, we were preparing for them to say, like, something really in-depth that we were going to have to dig out. You know, they asked us, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? And Kirsty said, I can't wait for my our house to be full of laughter. Mm-hmm. And... They asked, like, a, two other questions, and then they said, okay, we'll make a decision. We barely sat down in the chairs in the next room, mm-hmm. and our social worker came and got us and said, that was the quickest panel decision I've ever seen happen. Wow. So we went back in, and they said, oh, yeah, unanimous yes. Oh. So once you've been through that panel, mm-hmm. you then you get to look for your child. Wow. And... It is as strange as that just sounded. Yeah. So your social worker can essentially, they can speak to other social workers, local authorities, other agencies, Mm -hmm. and see if there's any children out there that match what you are looking for, what you've been approved for. Um, So you can be approved anywhere between zero and 16. Okay. We were approved for zero to five um, for two children because we wanted to do siblings. We wanted to have a sibling set stay together. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did have our social worker send over a few uh, profiles of children on a child's profile and when I say this I I hope you take it in the the Mm -hmm. best way possible but honestly it's like dating apps for kids I was going to say this when you keep saying your profile it does this is like a bit of it's the strangest it is it feels really strange so the profile it, it will have then a picture of them or a few um, a video, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. It'll have their name, age, date of birth, hopefully their ethnicity, heritage, mm-hmm. 
and a bit of information, what they like, what they don't, medical issues, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get a couple of sent over. And obviously you say yes or no, you you know, mm-hmm. you really do. And as, as you know, kooky as it sounds, you do know when you know. And then we got the option to go on, it's a website that's purely, you have to be approved to get onto it. Your social worker set it up. It's called Link Maker. Okay. And it is literally link. It's making links between adopters and children. And you go on and at the time that we went on, mm-hmm. there were 538 profiles that we could look at that would have been suitable. suitable. Oh my goodness. And that number in itself, just taking like yeah. just taking that number in is terrifying. Because that's not even the amount of children. That's just the that's profiles. That's just the profiles. So this could be two, two, two three, three five. five. Yeah, kids like, on this yeah. profile. Oh my word. I mean, one of them that we saw, it was a sibling set of three. Yeah. And there were three profiles. So there was one where the three were together. Mm-hmm. Then there was one with the oldest on his own and the two little ones together. Because they said, well, he probably won't get adopted. He'll probably stay in foster care. But the little ones might have a chance. And that in itself, that's how the system works. And it's... That's heartbreaking. It's, it's disgusting. I hate it. It's the one thing I really despise about it. Yeah. Is that... What was the reason? That's how it... For, for that? He's, he was older. Oh. Older children. Because a lot of people are like, no, I want to get a baby. And older children just kind of stay in the system or end up in long-term foster which means then they're not able to then be adopted if that's what the decision has been made that they'll be fostered really yeah so if the courts decide that um a child would be better off in long-term foster that's that they're not able to be adopted then even if they were part of a family a sibling no oh my goodness me isn't it horrible yeah so when you when you're on link maker one thing, one of the things that I would say is don't get tripped up because you can end up getting so lost in looking at these profiles that you will literally forget to eat, you'll forget to like go to bed, you'll miss a day away. I imagine it's very overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. We, yeah. we have to take a couple of days in between like looking. Yeah. Um, but you, so it, there's parameters on the side so you can filter it out what age, what gender what you know all of that you can you can filter out whether you want sibling groups or or anything and you go through all the profiles look what you think matches once you think you found some a, a child or sibling group that you feel might be a match yeah you request more information it's just a button you don't get anything immediately that just sends their social worker or family finder because there's, if the social workers mm-hmm. aren't on the other end, it's a family finder that is actively trying to put people yeah. together. It sends them a message to say, these people have asked for some info. Like, John yeah. send it. Yeah. They will then look at your profile, see if they think it's a match. If they do, they'll send over some info. Or they'll get in touch with your social worker. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you either just don't hear anything and you're left on red, basically. Mm-hmm. Or they'll just, like cancel the the request right. or say no and yeah. um, if you're lucky you will get an email back and just be like we don't think this is a match but thank you we're you know thank we're you actively yeah. you know looking at someone else um we were really lucky in terms of how ours went 
when we found the girls' profiles, we we saw them. And their profile, it was the only one we saw like this. It was their pictures, one of each, their names, their dates of birth, and their ethnicity, which, by the way, was wrong. Oh. I'll tell you that later. Yeah. Um, and nothing else. Completely blank. Oh, wow. And me and Casey said, to, we literally looked at each other and went, we know nothing about these kids, but they're our children. Mm. Like, we knew immediately. So we sent the request. But then we were like, no, we need them to know that these are our kids. Mm-hmm. So we then wrote a letter to the family finder mm-hmm. and sent it across and explained and saying, this is why we think they're our kids. We know we know nothing about them. Mm-hmm. But just with their heritage, this links in with us this way. This links in with us this way. The ages of the girls, although they were slightly older than what we initially were mm-hmm. genuinely looking for, that wasn't even what we were looking at. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that we knew in our stomachs and our hearts and our guts they were ours. Oh, so we sent over, <laughs> we sent over this massive letter, mm-hmm. and um, part of their heritage is Greek. So I, and we were like, well, we can teach them Greek at mm-hmm. home. Like that's fine because I can I can still understand and speak quite a some of Greek from like when I was younger. So we were like, we can even do that. We can link to this, that, and the other. So. Yeah, we sent it over and within three days of being approved for panel, we'd found the girls. Mm-hmm. Two days later, we had the reply from their fan, family finder saying, I think this is a match, let's go for it. And then on, so that would have been November 15th. By December 7th, mm. we then had our first meeting with the family finder, both social workers, the IRO, which is like the, you know, the big officer, the regional officer, um and a few other people that were there that were included with mm. with the girls and we then basically had to petition ourselves to say this why, is why, why it's a match. Right. So in in t- in the whole process you have about I think six or seven of those types of meetings right. where you have to kind of say this is working because of this. Mm-hmm. This is working because of that. Had you met the girls in person no. at this point? No. No, no, we didn't meet the girls in person until April. Oh wow. So we were allowed to do, I, so we requested to do a bump into, which is basically, if you were, if you're in the same area, it's like where you, you'd go to the same park and just accidentally sit next to them on a bench and just make conversation. They wouldn't be aware. You make conversation with the adult just so that you can visually see the children, but you don't talk, talk, you don't interact with the kids. You can say hello, but that's about it. Um, we requested a bump into, so we did it over the phone on the 3rd of February. And we just did it to and spoke to the foster care at the time. And we were just like, hi, yeah, just thought I'd call, see how you were, how's your day? Yep, we're having coffee too, just that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she turned the phone around and she was like, oh, hi, do you want to say hi to Tori and Kirsty? Like, just, mm-hmm. and that was, that was it. And then that was, and we knew, we, ju- oh, we just knew. We were like, there are kids, get them home. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the problem with any situation mm-hmm. is that you can have a pushback at any time. Until the papers are signed to say they are, like, formally adopted yours, their birth certificate no longer exists, their adoption certificate is in that place. Sure, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, the, the, their previous existence as such is removed from the system. 
They get a new NHS number, new everything. That's good though. It's it's amazing. Hard when you're trying to follow procedure, like medical procedures, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so it can be pushed back. Ours did. Okay. So from birth families couldn't get pushed back. Um, from social workers needing extra time to do things. Yes. Yeah. From work arrangements just not working out. Anything can push back. So once you've been through all of the process to be like, yeah, we think it's right. All of the social workers agree and, and, you know, all of the other people involved. You then have to go through weeks and weeks and weeks of planning of when do we think this is the right time for you to meet them physically? When can we make sure your house is ready? Even though you already had a house check at the very beginning that has health and safety house check, you have to have a fire extinguisher, you have to have locks on your windows, like you have to do that originally um and yeah so they, they do all of that and then it's all of those weeks of planning where will you meet them where are you going to stay mm. who's going to pay for it how are you going to get there how are you going to get home what do you need to purchase what will be given to you we didn't know until the night they came home what they had in terms of clothes shoes anything like that mm. we didn't know all we knew is that it, it, that was going to be brought in foster carer's car coming home. So when you go to do introductions, mm-hmm. so you've passed all of the, the essentially the meetings and paperwork, you go to do introductions, it's 10 days long or it can be a week long, depending on how they see it, mm-hmm. how to fit. We did eight days and that we came home on the eighth day, so it was a week really. The first day you get there... You go and have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. That's it. You just go, go in, have a cup of tea. You don't particularly speak to the children. Also, you're not. It's not you like don't a, introduce yourself. You, you do be. So we we were really lucky. I will jump back mm-hmm. and just tell you why we were really lucky. But it's meant to be. So first day you don't really interact. Second day you maybe get down on the floor and play a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Third day you'll all go to the park. Fourth day, maybe you'll make a sandwich for them. Mm-hmm. And it, it just progresses like that, yeah. So in terms of us, because there was so much pushback, we were like, we don't want there to be that massive gap between February and when we were planned for, like, the end of April. So we actually got really lucky in the fact that our social worker worked with us and their social worker to say, let's let's just do, like, every other day we'll do a video call. Mm-hmm. So in March, we did the entire of March doing video calls, just talking to them or talking to the carer and asking loads of questions. Mm -hmm. And then we would like play with them through the phone. Mm -hmm. And it got about halfway through. And then they started referring to us as like Mummy Tori, Mummy Kirsty, and, you know, like talking to Mm -hmm. them about that and saying, how would you like to go and and be as a family? And, and, um, the girls took it really, really well. So the first day that we actually got there, mm-hmm. they opened the door and these two little girls ran out of the screaming mummy. Oh, I broke. I just yeah. broke. As you can imagine. Yeah. Um that's one thing I would say in every situation they should have, even if it's just a week, do those phone calls. Yeah. Oh my Lady gosh. It, yeah, yeah. It I think that is why we had such a good introduction period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you get to sort of day five 
and you'll have them for tea. So you take them out or to your apartment, whatever it mm-hmm. is. You have them for tea. We requested that we could do, it was a Sunday night, so we were like, can we please do like bath time? Mm-hmm. Let us do their hair. Um, because our children have got African hair and we wanted to make sure we knew how to, say, how to do you, that. That's a skill lots in itself, of research. isn't it? Wow, yeah. Lots of research, yeah. lots of practice. Yeah. It's 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 good the fact that like I, I love doing hair anyway. Mm-hmm. So um but no we did we did lots of research about it. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do it while we were there so we could make sure it was doing it right. Mm-hmm. So we did have them over bath time one of the nights, and then the last two nights, the first night you observe um their bedtime routine. The second night you do their bedtime routine mm-hmm. and then the day after they come home. Um, the drive home sometimes they'll just come with you in the car for mm-hmm. us we went home in our car we met them halfway the carer brought them with them we met them halfway had lunch and then carried on and went home they stayed the care, foster carer sorry stayed at us for about 15 minutes and then left came back the next morning said their byes yeah. and that was it then that was that was done and that's literally so from we were approved November tenth, found them November thirteenth, they came home April twenty first. That's all that was long. Mm-hmm. We know of friends who found their children in like the March, they were it, the January, they were home in February. It was like four weeks, five weeks. So every experience is different in that sense. Mm-hmm. However, the process will be the same. So talk me through. You've just put the kids to bed. That first night? At foster care still. What is the conversation? What are you even thinking the night before your children come home? Okay, so we... And hopefully the, you know, foster carers don't hear it because I don't really want to speak bad about them. However, the situation wasn't nice. Mm -hmm. So once they had gone to bed that first night, you essentially, you have... You can't, like, interrupt. You have to let them follow their process... Mm -hmm. Because that's what they've been doing. But we were sat hearing our child scream and cry for an hour solid. And we kept saying, you're not going to go up. Like, is no one going to go? No, she does that every night. And when I say the anger in me boiled Mm -hmm. over, I rang our social worker, literally got back, rang our social worker, and I was like, this is not on. Mm -hmm. We are changing this. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did try and talk to them and say, surely that's not, like, not... Not, not okay if it's every single night and they said it's just how she's learned to cope just the eldest or the youngest the youngest right okay eldest was waffling onto herself for like 40 minutes yeah. um but when you switch that and do their first night home mm-hmm. their first night home they we did wind down time mm-hmm. That was one of the things. They didn't do wind down time. No, they played they until seven and then said it's bed. bed. So we did half an hour wind down. We got them ready, put their little satin caps on, mm-hmm. read them a story, went to bed. When I say they slept through, oh my God, they went to bed. I took pictures of them in bed mm-hmm. because I was like, this is unreal. There was like, there was no crying. There was no, there was no nothing. No resistance. No resistance. Just lots of hugs, kisses. I love yous. Um, I sang somewhere of a rainbow to the baby and that was it. Gone. And I mean, she's four and a half now. She still asked me to sing to her. But 
yeah, the the difference between them, and I I came downstairs and said to Casey, "That's how you know they're right. Mm-hmm. Like they're ours. They're home." Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was for us looking back at it. You like we understand it was a traumatic experience yeah. because that's not how you want to be introduced to your children. Goodness me. Yeah, it wasn't nice. I mean, and like I said, we're we're never going to speak bad about the social care, the foster carers, you know, as them. But the situation wasn't the nicest. No. So being through, being through what you and Kirsty have been through, you want to do it again? You want more kids? Without a doubt. How many more? Um, well, I want four, she wants two, so we're going to go with three. <laughs> meet in the middle. <laughs> meet in the middle. Oh, yeah. No, we do. We both want, we both want another one. We want a little boy. Mm-hmm. Because... That's the other thing with, so with a birth child, you you have what your body decides to have. 100%. With an adoptive child, we didn't go in with a gender in mind. We just said we need our children. Mm-hmm. However, now that we've got two girls and we're a house of four girls, mm-hmm. we want a boy. We want to have a, the experience of parenting, you know, yeah. in general, just both, just whatever. Just I've, I've friends who have both genders. And they say parenting is very different. Yeah. Very different. My sister's the same. Like, I mean, my niece and nephew, are, they're so close in age. They're, they're like 16 months apart. Like, they're really close. And the, even them, they have to parent them. Completely so different. different. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. I mean, we have we have our nephew. He's, he's, he was 10 months on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We have him two days a week. And even just understanding how we parent him is different. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. We definitely want another one. So f- forgive this stupid and naive question. Go for it. Because you're already approved, do you go? Do you jump straight to profile finding? No. Do you have to go back? You go back to the beginning, but it's shortened. Right. Okay. So it goes from like what could be like ten months to four to six. I mean, that's not shortened that much. Not it? that much. I mean, we started in February, and we should be, you know, pretty much done. In about two weeks. That's all right. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Um, we did have a little bit of a break in terms of social worker went on holiday or whatever it was. I, I don't actually know. Um, but there was like three weeks off. So when you actually take the time that was together, it does add up to that. Yeah. But like I said, sometimes there's pushbacks or breaks or whatever other things you know mm. in between. Mm. But uh, so when you a second time adopters, you still put your registration of interest form. Mm-hmm in um and because obviously your situation's changed you are now parents you your family has changed mm-hmm. because there's more people in it you have to think about not only yourselves going through this but your current children, children your potential new child you have to think about well how will their behavior be okay how are you going to make sure they don't feel like pushed to the side you have to go into it in such a, a much deeper psychological process mm-hmm. than the first time around. It's like a risk assessment, isn't it? You have to think yeah. of every possible You have to think of everything. Yeah. Um it's it's nice because it makes you think about your kids. Yeah. It's not nice because it feels like you're repeating things over and over again. So a lot of the paperwork's the same. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not as it's not as bad because they can use some of the previous answers. Like your 
your history is not going to have changed. So they've still got, yeah, Yeah. they've still got the history. They've still got your previous part to be like, well, this is what my coworker thought. Mm -hmm. So how could I just tweak this to make sure it's right now? Um, So it's not, it's not as Mm. intimate. Um, It's more psychological in terms of thinking about who will be affected the most. It's the family outlook now rather than it the is outlook. exactly yeah. yeah. So ha- you know your social worker. Mm-hmm. If you say you and Kirsty hadn't chosen to adopt for a second time, how much contact do they have with you? Is it a support network? Is the, it- yeah, there's a support network, and they're there if you need them. Mm-hmm. You can contact them. Yeah. They, once you've adopted, though, they're no longer your social worker. You then okay. move into a post-adoption social worker, and but you can contact them at any contact. time. Um, even if you're still in the process, I I absolutely adore, like I genuinely adore this woman. She's our post-adoption social worker. And I'm not going to, you know, mm. name call or anything mm-hmm. like that. But she's, she's like, you know, one of those people where they're just a light in a room. She's that person. Yeah. So even if I'm just having a bad day, I'll call her and she'll be like, yeah, cool. Let's talk. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that side of the network's great. And they do like, uh, summer barbecues, winter oh, things. Nice. They do like um, Christmas parties for the kids. Community you all go. Based Super community yeah. based. Um, but it is just for your agency. Okay. So each agency will do something different. But if there was, if you wanted to do like a bigger community thing, you have to find that. Yeah. There's there are some groups on Facebook that are like adoption based, mm. but I haven't found one yet that I feel comfortable in. Okay. Because a lot of it is like people are asking questions about adoption, but it's it's coming off less less naive and more structured in terms of like they have had an opinion from four generations ago, yeah, which it, it comes across now as not mm-hmm. not okay to ask, um, and I just don't feel like that's the right arena at the minute. So I've not quite found that yet, yeah, um. So I'm not 100% sure about like an outside community, but in terms of your inner circle community, oh, 1,000%. Yeah. And we were, we were really good in terms of finding people in the process as well. Yeah. So some a, a couple in our agency, we still talk to mm-hmm. now and they've got a gorgeous little girl and we see them. We try to see them every week, but um, going back to work and stuff like that, it does... Life gets in the way. Um, But yeah, I think it's definitely on you to keep your community alive. Yeah. Which sometimes can be the hard part because you need people to check in on you as much as you check them. I think parenting full stop community is like that. 100%. And um, obviously, you know, you and I, we know each other from quite a long long time ago. And people we know who also have children who I am close with and spent a lot of time with, but we still just don't get that You don't time get the to time. No. I mean, like, even today, we... I hope you don't mind me talking no, about it, but even today, like, we didn't know we were this close in terms of location. Yeah. Like, I could have literally just been like, <laughs> yeah. hey, what are you doing today? Let's Walk get the kids together. Let's, yeah. Literally that easy. We yeah. could have literally just done that, which, I mean, now we know we probably... Yeah, we will. I think we probably will. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's a good... Yeah. We have the same kind of mindset. So and I feel like a lot, nice. of questions, a lot of the, the stuff that you and Kirstie have done because of the um, adoption process, I'm going to be like, 
like can you can you also just counsel me can you can you help <laughs> hey, listen, me out with that listen Honestly, if you want if you want yeah. that i will help yeah that's and this is what i was trying to say before i mean off camera yeah i am um, that i want to do i yeah. want to help people i want yeah. to be that person to be like hey i understand this we've been through this i mean i have gone out of my way and this is something that i would say definitely make sure anyone who's adopting mm. does mm. is go out of your way to do training I did I like so <laughs> much training. Yeah. Do you know what's a really, really good resource? Yeah. Is the, I mean, and, you know, not sponsored. Yeah. But um, the Open Education website. Okay. Like right. Open Learn. It's really, really good. You get certificates and badges and stuff after you've done courses. Yeah. And you can use them on your, your like, CV or in other training or wherever yeah. or anything. Uh, but there's so many. I think there's like 70,000 or something oh different gosh. types of things you could do. Wow. I, at this moment, purely from doing outside trading myself, mm. I, at this moment, have 34 qualifications surrounding oh. adoption. I purely to purely because I wanted to be that person for that. I didn't realise there would be that many you could Loads. do. Loads. Yeah. There's actually something that you could do that I took for adoption, but are parenting related, family life related, um, looking into social work. I'll yeah. show you. I'll show you yeah. before I leave. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's that's one thing I think everybody should do, adoption or not. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so helpful and it gives you so much information. Yeah, and it's not just that. I'm not trying to plug no, something. No. It's just that happened to be where I was doing but it. We, and I know I'm repeating myself saying this, but nobody is born a parent. They're not. So. And nobody do, tells you how to do it no, either. But to do my job or to do a job, you go through training. Yeah. So it makes complete sense to that you should have that training. Because parenting or is access a job. to it at least. hundred percent. I mean, I'm fully aware not everyone has the same mindset. Yeah. We we happen to have a similar. very similar mindset. Yeah. Um, which perfectly honest, didn't under, didn't realise it was that close mm. until mm. right now. Yeah. Um however a lot of people won't have that same yeah. mindset. They'll just be like, whatever, like, my mum did it. Mm. Like, it's I fine. Kid. Like, I am a kid. Which, you know what? That works for some people. Yeah. But if if people, you know, listening to your podcast have that mindset of, I would love to better myself for the betterment of my children. And their children. And, and their, their children. children and everyone it's around that. Tree. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's everything. Your ecosystem. Yeah. Um, In terms of, like, your life honestly find the training yeah and you do it at home you just do it on your laptop yeah. in your own time some of them take two hours some say 48 none of them take as long as they say no um i mean if you if you're a fast i'm a very fast reader mm-hmm. i look at a page it's done mm-hmm. and so i can get through yeah. stuff quite quick i am married to someone who doesn't really read like that she'll read really fast then go back through it a few times that's me which again it's you know you read in your own time yeah but the the hours that it says it takes is purely a guideline so you know well i can fit this in yeah. that pocket of time yeah. i can fit this in then yeah um but yeah definitely definitely yeah. look at the train out. okay um is there anything in the process that i've not asked you about that you want to talk about um what for the process i, I don't think so i mean they, they do try and make you, I don't want to say make you, but they do try and encourage you to 
build your relationship in terms of figure out what day you could potentially just have you like a date mm-hmm. um try and figure out well could we do dates at home and it was it honestly it was more of like a a floating comment than anything mm-hmm. and we took it to heart helps mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can create a date at home like phones away tv or whatever create your own version of a date at home it keeps you going yeah. it keeps your mentality going and keeps you on the same page um things and one thing in the process actually is that you have every opportunity i mean we we had every opportunity and i'm hoping it's like this for other people to access other people who have adopted previously so you can ask for previous adopters information not they won't give you it but they'll give them yours yeah and if they are they're okay contacting you they will um but then on the flip side once you you are approved and have your kids home you can do that for other people yeah we chose to and i think at this moment we spoke at four four or five different training events Mm -hmm. to say like it's, it's been like a full hour, hour and a half of where people just ask you questions. You talk free process, basically this. Yeah. Um, which I think is why it's so comfortable. Yeah. But we didn't have the access to that at the time because of restrictions. So we didn't have people come in and talk to us. We could video call people and we did uh, t- two video calls, but it didn't it's feel quite the same. same. Um. So if you do have access or you have the capability to do that for someone else, Mm -hmm. that's something in terms of being still in the process that was cathartic in a way. And I know from feedback that it's helped other people. I think I said this to you before we filmed. Me starting this podcast has helped me. I can't even tell you how much. Just to have conversations with people who go the same thing yeah um and it does show me that we don't talk about enough things no in general enough and people don't talk talk about the hard things either which i think is part of the the bit that we need to talk about more because it's like well yeah i understand this is all lovely and you you know you've had a child or you brought kids home or however your family's formed yeah but how do you get over the 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 things that really hurt how do you get over your child not being able to regulate emotions. Mm. How do you get over your child coming home from seeing, like, grievous bodily harm? How do you go through that? How do you go through your child who, from birth, has been sick and then got better, but then has relating things from the back of that? Or how do you cope with a child who you don't know what's wrong, but you know that they're having tantrums because somehow they're in pain, whether it's mentally or physically. How do you do that? And people don't ask. They don't talk about it. And it is only for Mm. people who will, are willingly talking about Mm -hmm. it, that that's the the only people helping. So at this point, like, I'm thankful for your podcast. Mm. Like, Mm. it's one of those things that people need. I, what has surprised me, just a slight detour from, from your story and adoption, go for it. No, go for what it. has surprised me about the podcast is the amount of people that have said, yeah, I'm going to come and talk to you. And I've gone, holy shit, we need to do something better about mm. this. And it was off and on and off and on, shall I do it, shan't I do it? And I think part of my own 
self-discovery, like true self-discovery, identity crisis, go through things, tear yourself down, build yourself back up again. Yeah. We talked about the calling of family, calling of friends. Yeah. That all that kind of stuff made me go, I just need to be honest. I need to be honest with Steve. So we have we are probably the closest we've ever been mm-hmm. because I just we just talk about it now rather than go, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And leaving yeah. it to build up. Um and I think that's helped me be really honest with people and ask difficult questions and be able to answer difficult questions yeah. because no one progresses from the, the lack of the truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like being able to remove your own hurdles in life. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I just think even for me now, because Steve and I have, have often spoke about, do we have another baby? Do we, would we adopt? You know, even in years to come when we get older and Bella was grown up and she'd moved out, would we maybe adopt then? What kind of kind of thing? Yeah, anything like that. And now I feel like I know so much more about it. And I'm very grateful for you being so open and honest. Thank you. You're welcome. And I, I just don't think we do it enough yeah. in the right platforms, you know. And I think we can do a better job of doing more I for it. I think definitely we can 100%. do a better job. I think you should absolutely look into doing something about helping parents doesn't matter how you get to the job of parent yeah helping parents understand their kids more it comes it seems to come very easy to you honestly it does mm. and i went through i mean you know me and you I, mm. I could not take a compliment or anything like yeah, that and yeah. i could i just couldn't yeah and i'm at the point now where i'm like i know i can do that yeah yeah like thanks yeah but i'm fully aware i can yeah. do that and i do it does come easy to me and yeah. i do feel confident in yeah in having those conversations yeah. and giving people the space, even within the conversations, to be like, hey, this isn't a, a parenting tip that you don't want, but hey, this worked for me. Mm. Try it Just letting want. you know. Yeah. I'm very much like that. I don't like people to put on to me, so I won't put on to somebody else. Yeah. But if someone asks me for opinion or advice, I'll say, look, this is what I did and it seemed yeah. to be all right. Even, even yesterday... Um, one of my friends said something and I said, okay, don't take this as like unsolicited advice because I don't mean it in that way at all. Mm-hmm. But I know when my oldest was going through not being able to regulate, mm-hmm. I came up with a breathing technique that was aimed at her. Mm-hmm. And we do, honestly, it's amazing. For her, it works to the point where, so if she's having a meltdown, we say, do you want a, a cookie or a candle? So she either has to smell the cookie, mm-hmm. breathe in, or blow out the candle. So she'd have one or the other or both. And it works to the point where now if she can't regulate herself and do it for herself, my little one runs up and goes, cookie or candle? And I'm like, that is a technique that I know will stay with them now. Yeah. Well, it might change from what yeah, they yeah. use, but they will always know that you can breathe in and breathe back out. But how... how- I mean, I don't know about you, but I use breathing techniques to calm me. Oh, I do. To All regulate myself. Literally, I do the I do the five five. So Daniel Amen's in the I do five, that. five five times. Yeah. And I do it as I'm driving to work. I do it. I literally do it all the time. I do it when Bella is drifting off to sleep on me. Is a little bit unset unsettled. Yeah. I do that breath, and I guarantee head. by breath five she's asleep. Yeah. I guarantee. Because it must calm her. I made a video. I mean. On, on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but it's it's talking about the five by five technique yeah. in terms of the the senses 
And that's, I use that alongside the breathing. So I'll do the breathing, but I'll be doing the five by five in senses. So I'll be like, okay, five things I can see, five things I can hear, five things I can touch. And works. Yeah. Oh my gosh, works. Every Every time. time. And I think... You can tailor that to kids as well by using colours. Okay. Five things that you can see that are blue in the house, quick go. Like five things you can hear that sounds like an animal. Like it, it works. Really brings them back. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a school trip tomorrow with my oldest to Chester Zoo and I know she's going to get overwhelmed. Because um, she's autistic, isn't she? Yeah, she's the on the spectrum yeah. and she's she's hard of hearing, so she's got a hearing aid. Okay. She's got a cochlear hearing aid. Um, but she also has sensory processing disorder. So she gets very overwhelmed very quick. Um, and I know that that's going to help her tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's just about helping your kids, teaching yeah, them yeah. how to help themselves when you're not there. Yeah. I think that's life, isn't it? It is. It's <laughs> life. It's just that, I don't know about you, but especially when I was younger, it's very... You learn that at a later age when yeah. you're like, well, you're an adult, you're about to go in the world. When I'll you teach go through you now. some shit and you have to yeah. find a way to get through it. Yeah. There's no preventative method in place. No. It's when there's a problem. That's you get you, over it. Yeah. Rather than, what, what's, what's that phrase? I'm going to absolutely butcher it, but like, prevention is better than cure. Is that, yeah, yeah. Is, I, know, is that right? I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is so bloody true. Of it is. I mean, you can't protect someone from everything in life, but you no. can prepare them to help themselves yes. in a bad situation. 100%. 100%. Um, What has been your... I feel like you've talked a lot anyway. So Sorry. Maybe, no, no, no. I'm going to ask you a question, but we have covered a lot of these. So you may have already covered it. What do you think has been your biggest challenge in all of this? So there's kind of, it's like an interlinked challenge, if yeah. that's okay. Yeah, so yeah. one of the biggest challenges was doing that original shadow work, being able to go through that initial therapeutic process because when you're in it, it doesn't feel like therapy. No. It feels like hell. Yeah. Trying to bring up and drag up everything you've been through, every negativity that you've been through and being like, okay, I this happened to me. I have to admit it happened to me, even though I've never told my parents, never yeah. told anyone. Yeah. You know, it did happen. This is how I got over it. That's how I can relate to my child. Yeah. That's a big challenge. And it interlinks because, and I won't single out who mm-hmm. specifically, but when my girls came home, there was there was the recreation of self-harm in a, a, a baby, basically, like a little kid. Um, both of my kids were under five. And... There was, there was, there was trying to get over some self-harm at the time, not being able to regulate all of that. That was the biggest challenge. Watching that happen, seeing your child in such distress, hurting herself and not knowing why or how to help. And it's making sure that, like that challenge, sorry, was, it was hard because I ended up being the punching bag. Mm. Um... Because I was so much like, I will be there. I'll do it. I'll be the breathing technique. I'll hold you until you mm. can regulate. Mm. So I got a few knocks to the face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest challenge. Absolutely, that was the biggest challenge. Not because it was hard to do, mm. but because it tears you apart. Watching your child in that much distress tears you apart. Honestly, I know I've, I've said this before, and I do take my hat off to every parent, but I think... One, you didn't know anything about the girls. 
We did. We we found out a few little bits, but we didn't know it was to that extent. Yeah, and then you've then brought them home with the trauma that they've got, and still got them through the other side in a very very short period of time. Mm. I don't know many people who would be able to do that and be able to talk about it so so well. Thanks. You're welcome. I'm literally just sitting here thinking, I've got fuck all to moan about <laughs> when Bella's doing my editing. Yeah. Wow. Bit of perspective. Yeah. Um, let's look at the other side of the yeah. um, spectrum. What is your biggest reward? Oh, so the biggest reward, and me and Kirsty agree on this, mm-hmm. and we wrote it down actually recently for our social worker, is that when we, before our girls came home, mm-hmm. Um, we found out about little bits about them that we could and we were told that it would be rather unlikely that our oldest would be able to be in mainstream school read write or speak because she was four and a half and was speaking okay. about ten, speak? 10 words yeah. um, which at four and a half is you know very late she can now speak until your ears fall off <laughs> And she's reading at a level four phonics, mm-hmm. writing. She's been on stage. She's that that for us as the biggest reward. Mm. And it's not it's not to say that you know either our child is doing, but yeah, yeah. it's not that. It's just she she came from a situation mm. where she'd been not written off, but kind of wasn't given the support it was settled yeah like that, that's, that's just kind of what yeah. what was happening and she wasn't given the support and now the biggest reward we see is she comes running out of school with papers she's written on mm. and she's like talking her ears off all day and she does i mean both both of the girls and it is it's a massive reward and mm. so it all kind of ties into one but both of our girls do they do swimming on monday then crafts Jiu-jitsu, Ashes in Jiu-Jitsu. She's already got a white belt. Mm. She got it at three years old. Wow. They both do dance. They both do acrobatics. Seema does beavers. Mm. Like, they're doing amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I know every parent's like, oh, my kid's, my kid's great. My kid's, <laughs> I get that. I yeah. fully get that. Yeah. But the reward in itself is seeing how far they've come. Yeah. It's and it's not that. not as yeah. not in terms of like we got them there as parents. No, they've done it. They've been able to get themselves there. We just helped. We provided them the platforms. Mm-hmm. But they, it that's the reward. It's seeing that yeah. that smile, that change at the end of every day. You've just like jogged my memory. As I always say to the students that I teach, I show you where to look, but not what to see. Yeah, and I feel it's like so that, true. One hundred percent. And the, that's why I love teaching the age that I teach because it's that, I teach 16 to 18, so it's that not quite a child, but not yet an adult. Yes. That adolescent brain going through every so emotion. Much. Oh my God, every emotion. Um, and it is that sort of mentor role yeah. of... No, it's all right. Go, go on. Delve a bit deeper. Go on, go See on. See if you can I'm figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's very... I hadn't really thought of it as a, at a younger age until you just said that then. 
And it is quite similar, it, isn't it? It does. It, I think it ranges through everyone. It's like, even if, you know, as an adult, 44 years old, and you go, I've been in this job for 25 years. Oh I want to do something else. Yeah. And it's having that courage to know that you've got a safe space at home. But you can take that leap of faith and do that next thing. Yeah. It's it ranges from everyone. It's babies on reins taking first steps outside in the world, mm. being on reins and knowing it's okay. I, if I fall, I get they they've got yeah. me. I always think as well we don't give our tiny children enough credit. Oh no, we don't for how they develop, what they develop, what they can handle so fast, so Un- much. unbelievable. I'm I'm a bit naive here. I say this all the time. I definitely thought kids didn't really do much till they were like one-ish. And I remember when Bella rolled over, she was like four months or something. I was like, "Wow, like how? You're not, you're not meant to do that yet. <laughs> like you're still a, still just 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 a block that cries and eats. Like, block. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, I just I was so naive to yeah. how fast that development was, and I was like, okay, I've definitely underestimated what kids Your go abilities. through and the challenges that they do. And they just they just take it on. They so do. what happens between being that brave to then being where does the fear come from? Where does the worry come from? From year three to year six. Yeah. That's where my target is. Yeah. Is going and helping those children. That, is great. that age. Group. Because from year three to year six, you are treated like you are no longer a child that is in need of help. Mm-hmm. You are treated like a child who should be able to have regular regulatory emotions, mm-hmm. to be able to have the anatomical behaviour to control yourself in a situation like school. So, like, if children... Like, I've been sat here filling my rings mm-hmm. that this whole time, mm-hmm. but if children do that in school, they get told off. But if you've got extra energy in your body and you mm. need to just use that energy, just fiddle in to focus, I think that gives you more anatomical experience yeah. than being told to just sit still. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation, though, isn't it? Oh, that's a that's massive that's a massive delve into conversation. Schooling and but um, but it does it. It's it's that kind of. I think the fear genuinely builds up from that age range. Yeah. So from like I don't know eight to eleven. Because you are treated as though you're getting ready for adulthood, as though being 11 and 12 is adulthood, mm-hmm. and it's not. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the exact same three-year period to get ready for GCSEs, where you're getting ready for adulthood, mm-hmm. but you're not. No, you're because not. then you go through GCSEs, then you go through A-levels, and, or you go into the world and work. And the fear is, you, they build it up. And this, it's not just about school, it's... It, parent in in families and everything you get to the point where like well, oh you're double digits now yeah oh well you're a, you're a, th- a teenager now oh you're 16 like it's your life is dependent on age brackets mm. and people don't realize that even though you may be 11 or 12 you could be in that maturity status more than a 22 year old who's 100%. drinking all the time yeah yeah like that 11 or 12 year old could have more input about the world than someone who's just in college for the whatever that money is called that you get a week. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, um, again, it's like a different topic, but I wonder if there's been any research done. And I'm just thinking about your girls. 
and about you said mentioned Ash is so advanced for her age. She is. She's really advanced. I wonder if there's any research or case studies or anything like that done that shows children who have been through adversity at a young age whether they mature quicker. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, yeah. that's don't maybe know. I'll have to look. No, she's just thinking about it. Because and if not, maybe I'll just do a research. Paper. Maybe yeah, get a few case studies on the go. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Actually, yeah, it'd be yeah. really interesting to see how how it kind of panned out. Yeah, because there there is know. there's a lot of the time there's just listen thinking about different podcasts that I've listened to and how your brain works. Gabor Mate in particular, that your demons versus your your gremlins, mm. and I think. We don't realise how 0 to 10 influences 11 to death. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that 0 to 10 that your girls have experienced, 0 to 2, 0 to 4, yeah. whatever it is it's that they've experienced. How is that going to influence their Because influence? Because you could potentially learn something at, you know, 2, 3, 4 years mm. old. Most people don't realise until they, they go to, like, sex ed at 16, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Or, like, they don't... They get themselves ready, washed, dressed, making breakfast because, you know, someone wasn't there or wasn't capable at five years old. Mm. Getting themselves ready for school and then popping out the door yeah. at five years old. Yeah. And most, like, 14-year-olds are still, like, you still have to kick them out of bed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is. It, it does seem like there is a lot of maturing faster yeah. happening, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But yeah, maybe we'll have to have a little look at yeah. and see if we can find any research yeah. papers on it. Be interesting. Probably will be thinking about it, but from like a childhood psychology point of view. Yeah. But yeah, I was just thinking maybe more specifically. Sorry, there's hard barking. Um, okay, closing tradition. Sure. We've got two. Okay. So, what is one thing you wish you knew about parenting before you became a parent? That there was training out there to get me ready. <laughs> So do I. I wish I knew that two years ago. Um, and then if you had to give a tip to couples who are in the process of adopting or who have their children who've just come home, mm-hmm. what would your top tip be? Advocate for yourself and your children as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Take on board what social workers are saying. Understand they, but they, yeah, that's their job. But if you know that that is right for your child, advocate for it. Just do it. Mm. I know full well we we took a few, a few big leaps of faith, like yeah. changing names, changing schools mm. when things didn't feel right. Definitely, that's I advocating. Think that um, it often gets. It, it's very well said, isn't it? Like you know your child best, mm-hmm. but that's often only associated with mums or. Actually, I'm literally just thinking about it now as I'm saying it. I was going to say mums or dads who have had their children. But think about it, dad doesn't carry a baby. No. But dad still knows what's right for I think the child. It's it's kind of related to people who've been there since baby was born. Yeah. Or like baby was at least under six months old. Yeah. It's like you've seen them grow up, so you know their traits and their habits and you understand what sets them off, who are they comfortable around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you know that baby best. But you can know your child best at any age, yeah. whenever they come home. If, if you, you have, time. If you invest the time and yeah. you have that bond yeah. and you 
let them know that you are their safe space. You can know that child best so fast. Thank you very much for being so wonderful today. Thank you very um, much for having me. You're very welcome. What I will do is get the open learn link off you. Sure. And I'll pop it in the notes from this podcast yeah, as well. Yeah. So if people are listening and they want to go. It's all free as well, so yeah, they can jump on. But um yeah, thank you very much for coming. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you for having me.